This is Digital Health Today, Episode 30. What we hope for for patients is to give them access to new type of therapeutics that can hopefully extend their life, hopefully reverse the damage of biological aging, and eventually come up with a combinatorial therapy. It won't be just one treatment, but the combinatorial therapy that will defeat biological aging. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators, and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Bear Grants for Apps and their new Dealmaker program. Bear Grants for Apps is calling all mature teams, startups, and companies that have a solution ready to go. The new Dealmaker program is all about quality FaceTime between you and Bear experts for one full day. Don't wait. Applications are open until June 30th, 2017. Visit grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. Welcome back. This is Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders working to make the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 30. Today, we're going to talk about aging. It's a condition we are all experiencing, and indeed, one thing is certain. When it comes to aging, our condition is terminal. Our guest today is challenging that and fighting aging head on. Today, we're speaking with Liz Parrish, the CEO of BioViva Sciences, and we'll hear about her work and learn about the results of the treatment she received to slow and maybe even reverse the effects of aging. You can get all the show notes from this podcast and even watch a video of Liz's presentation that she gave at Wired Health. She delivered that in March 2017 at a meeting in London. Just go to digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 30, the number three zero. While you're there, please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and join our community. Download any of the materials there on the website or visit digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash join and you'll join thousands of other health innovators around the world who are working to improve and transform health. It's free to do, and I look forward to welcoming you there. And if you have just a minute, there are loads of ways that you can support and endorse the show. Each page on the website has links that you can use to share the show with your own networks on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And it's also easy to review the podcast on iTunes. That goes a long way to helping us reach a larger audience through the iTunes library. You can also find links to let me know what you think or just message me directly on Twitter at HealthTechDan or drop me an email at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com. There are lots of ways that you can get involved and support the show and our community, and I appreciate you taking a minute to let me know what you're getting out of this and how we can make it most effective to accelerate your success. And as you'll also hear on the show, we welcome sponsors who want to add value to our community. So if you'd like to get involved as a sponsor of Digital Health Today, please click on the sponsorship links you can find on the website. Last quick thing as we head into summer, we are planning the launch of the Digital Health Jumpstart. This program is designed to help accelerate projects and startups from innovation to implementation. Thanks to all the interest we've received so far, we're working to tailor this program for startups, corporates, universities, and not-for-profits so we can make the maximum impact. If you need a better understanding of business models and regulatory requirements, if you need clinical input, or if you're trying to figure out how design thinking can be applied in your organization, then we have you covered with this program. Find out more by clicking on the links on the website or just going straight to digitalhealthjumpstart.com. We have a world-class team of contributors and instructors with decades of experience to help you accelerate your work in digital health. Get in touch and I can share more about this program and how it can be used in your organization. Now on to our guest. Liz Parrish is the founder and CEO of BioViva Sciences, a biotech company dedicated to advancing gene and cell therapies to treat the diseases of aging. She's a passionate advocate for patient access to these revolutionary treatments, and a couple of years ago, Liz decided to take her own medicine, literally. 
She's here to tell us about the treatment she took in September 2015 and what can be done to slow and reverse the effects of aging and, along with that, the onset of other diseases that are associated with the hallmarks of aging. Is this something that will catch on? Should we be tinkering with our own genes in this way? If not, why not? Because we're already doing this to everything from earthworms to mice, so why shouldn't we work to extend our own lives through applying this technology? But if we do that, will these treatments only be available to the elite and wealthy of our society, or is this something that benefits all of society by making it available to anyone who wants it? Liz is here to answer these questions and more, so let's tune into the conversation with Liz Parrish. Liz, thanks very much for joining me, and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Liz, I've given the listeners a little bit of background, and I just wanted to ask you to give me like a two-minute summary of the, the journey you've taken to get you where you are today. Right. So from 2011 to 2013, I was a patient advocate for the use of stem cells. I joined a group that was forming a nonprofit to educate the world about stem cell use. The embryonic stem cells were not fetuses. And in fact, that was not the prevalent use of stem cells. Autologous stem cells or stem cells from your own body were what were being used in patients. And actually, the trials were going quite well in Stanford and Harvard. All of the research looked really brilliant. And yet there were doctors doing work offshore that we were uncertain about, but excited about that people had access to new medicine. And part of what the group was supposed to do was vet these doctors and see who was doing credible work and who wasn't and try to bring them up to a standard closer to research. But in 2013, my son was diagnosed with diabetes type one, which landed us in the hospital. And, um, of course, the first thing I did was start to ask around about what was available in biobanking his pancreas and the use of stem cells to jumpstart his insulin production. So diabetes, type 1 diabetes is um, a problem of the immune system. It's not treatable with diet and exercise, and uh, a lot of people get type 2 and type 1 mixed up. So they didn't have the ability to do any of the things that I was looking for, and I assumed that these type of treatments were available for children who had uh, diseases. And so anyway, one of the the nurses asked me to look around the hospital and, and see that my son had a treatable disease and that we should consider ourselves lucky, uh, that many children didn't, and they would die at the hospital. And I thought that this was completely mind-boggling. After having a, a good look into the world of research, I felt that we should be using all of our arsenal, that there were fantastic treatments and research that just were not reaching these people. And I didn't understand why we allowed people to die without the access to new medicine. So that sent me looking for more outlets, treatments for children, uh, cures for kids, and I landed up at a conference that was the SENS conference in the UK. It was at uh, Queen's College at Cambridge, and I got turned on to longevity medicine, uh, medicine that helps people live longer, including kids. And so our company is, you know, most people look at it as being a company that treats aging, but really what we're treating is complex disease because many of these therapies that will treat biological aging will also help kids. So that's that's the background and that's what led me to start the company in 2015 called BioViva, which was the company that was coming forward to allow access to patients to treatments that they couldn't get anywhere else. 
uh, the most promising technology coming through research, translating it to clinic uh, faster than anyone else could, and trying to save lives. Well, we're aligned on that front. That's what we're all about here on Digital Health Today is talking about trying to take those innovations and those technologies and really get those to the point of delivery. So let's start with the basics there then. I always like to start at the very simple level and then build the build things up. So can you describe the aging process itself, maybe describe how it works and why you believe that it is a condition that can be treated as as if it's a disease? Oh, yeah. So so it is. It, it is what is driving uh, diseases like Alzheimer's, cancer, and heart disease. So the processes of aging are, are many. Uh, they're called the hallmarks of aging, and they're things that are happening in your cells. Some of these things start at conception, and some of them actually become worse over time. So after you go through development, we then start to degrade cellularly in, in many ways. And so the hallmarks of aging are things like genomic instability. Uh, this is, happens from cells replicating and having uh, genomic errors and replication, but it also happens from the environment. Sun can do a, a great deal of damage, radiation. Telomere attrition is another one. So at the caps on your chromosomes, the ends of your chromosomes, every time your cells divide, they get shorter and shorter. And those, the, the shortening there is in your telomeres. Uh, so we know that you're born, uh, well, you're conceived with about 15,000 base pairs, you're born with 10,000, and you die with about 5,000 base pairs. And as these uh, telomeres become shorter, it leads to things like epigenetic alterations, genomic uh, instabilities and deregulation of nutrient sensing, which we'll get to now. So another process of biological aging we just talked about, which is epigenetic alterations. The genes that we have turned on over time are just different. And so we're making proteins that we don't want, and then we downregulate proteins that we want. Another thing is loss of proteostasis. So this is the, the use, the function, and the reuse of proteins. And this can lead to things like glycation. Glycation is the buildup of proteins, and uh, most notably, people notice that as cataracts. Okay, we, we get the opaque film over our eyes, but actually this is happening all over our body. Uh, deregulation of nutrient sensing between cells and, and from the body. This is a big problem of aging cells. Mitochondrial dysfunction. So the mitochondria are, are powerhouses to our cells and they become dysfunctional as we age. Cellular senescence. Senescence is a process of cells uh, going into a stasis where they, they refuse to die, but they refuse to divide. Um, they're damaged. We don't want them to divide. And they send off cytokines, uh, inflammation markers to the cells around us. And we know that this inflammation leads to things like cancer. It's one of the uh, mechanisms of cancer. Stem cell exhaustion. This happens over time. We go through our stem cells and uh, we run out of stem cells to use. Most notably in research, uh, muscle stem cells have been targeted. They've watched aging patients and they've noticed that they have less and less uh, muscle stem cells to make new uh, muscle tissue. So the, of those 10 hallmarks of biologic aging, I know you covered those in the presentation you did at Wired mm -hmm. Health, and I'll include that video in the show notes for this episode so people can go sure. always go there and watch that that great 15-minute presentation that you did in March of this year. So your, your son was diagnosed with diabetes type 1. 
you went through that experience and and you let that be a rallying cry for yourself personally rather than choosing to simply accept it to try to change it and to to look at some of the reasons why things are not being implemented given what we know is available. So in September 2015, you founded the company BioViva. It's bioviva-science.com. I founded the company in January, January 8th of 2015, but I took the the therapies uh, later that year. Yeah. Okay. So you took your own medicine. Uh, these were not approved therapies. You had to travel to an undisclosed location somewhere in South America, I'm led to believe, to do this. What were those therapies and why did you select those therapies to take? Right. So I took uh, two therapies. One was the telomere lengthening gene therapy, and the second one was the myostatin inhibitor. And we chose those two therapies because they had the biggest effect uh, on the hallmarks of aging. They targeted uh, a series of the hallmarks of aging for two therapies, and they actually would have the, the biggest bang for the buck, if you will. So these therapies show the most promise, I think, for, for short-term effects to human lifespan and health. And so that's why we chose those two. And had they been tested in humans previously? Uh, actually, the myostatin inhibitor, yeah, absolutely. It was through safety and efficacy in the U.S. And so th this is a therapy that we'll move forward with as a company immediately for the use of sarcopenia. For the treatment of sarcopenia. So this, uh, I believe, will help an aging population, uh, people over the age of 55, uh, increase their muscle mass and strength, protect them against things like falls, frailty, and diabetes type 2. And how about the telomerase therapy? Was that, had that been tested as far as it could go on animal models? It had gone through animal models in two distinctly different trials. It had reversed aging in mice. Uh, it had been used in every human cell type. It had not been injected into a body like uh, we did with my test. And I was very surprised by that. With how much promise the, the gene therapy showed, I was surprised that people were not using it. And so we came forward. We studied it for two years to ensure that the risks were very low and the benefits would be very high. And um, we were excited to be the first company that uh, embarked on using that in humans. So why was it not being used then? If you were able to form a company and study that for two years and determine that the, the safety was at a standard that you were happy to subject yourself to it, then why was it not being promoted more broadly uh, by the company that created it? Well, actually, there were several research groups who had researched telomerase induction. And this therapy has been patented over and over again by different groups. And I think that there's a lot of uh, problems in that area. A lot of good technology, a lot of good treatments sit in research and are not used. And I'm actually shocked by it myself. I think that a lot of companies look for uh, some sort of complicated, intricate way of patenting therapies before they move forward. It's very expensive to get anything through the FDA. There are other companies who have tried to move forward with telomerase induction and have had a hard time getting funding to go through trials. There's at least two other companies that would like to get through the FDA with telomerase induction right now. So it's not a very off-the-mark target. Actually, it's one of the most promising therapies that has sat in research for far too long. Other than the fact that you're aging, 
you strike me as a very healthy person, right? I mean, you, you seem to be active. I presume you exercise or eat well. Uh, you seem to have good genes yourself. So this was really something that you were just simply pursuing because you were passionate around identifying ways to get these to market. Is that right? Well, we have to look at the indications of mortality. So mortality risks actually start to show up strongly in the U.S. and and the U.K. around the age of 45. They start around 35 and then they go from there and they're marked in the hundreds of thousands. So for health and preventative medicine, I don't believe that there's probably a time that's too soon to embark on um, ensuring that you have long-term health. Now, gene therapies right now, we need to use those in more terminally ill patients and work them back to healthier patients. And I'm not sure what age we'll take them in the future. I imagine we'll take them like immunizations around the age of of our 20s as the technology shows to be proof safe and effective. But I did not believe that I was too young or too healthy to take these therapies. Certainly, I already have incurred a lot of the damage. A lot of the hallmarks of aging have happened in my body, and I'm, I'm not willing to suffer from the diseases of aging, especially if I can make an impact. And I would like to see what happens. Uh, I'd like to be one of the pioneers. We have many people who want to pioneer these technologies uh, that helps us uh, have a healthier, more active, longer-lived life where we can be productive and spend more time with our loved ones and, and things like that in the future. So I'm happy to spearhead these technologies. I mean, it. I was 44 when I took the therapies. I'm 46 now. And um, it's it's pretty much downhill from here if we don't do something. And and I'm I'm not willing to be part of the usual experiment that everyone else is part of, where you're guaranteed to die. And we already know the diseases that we'll die of. So you traveled to South America. You worked with a group of professionals. I presume you took this therapy, these therapies, under medical supervision and with a talented team of experts that you would selected and curated through your your network, and then. What were the results? How have you actually gone through and and qualified the results? And then sort of where are you now? It's almost two years since you took the therapy. Yeah, so we've followed the therapy um, ever since I took it. So there were several things that uh, we saw a change in the markers. And one was a 600 base increase in the telomere length. One was um, a 25% reduction in blood glucose uh, levels, which we... um, we, we thought that we would see from doing the myostatin inhibitor. And, and this insulin sensitivity increase with muscle mass is what we're looking for to fight things like diabetes type 2. Uh, we found a 50% uh, reduction in triglyceride levels, which should indicate better heart health. And we saw a six-fold reduction in C-reactive protein. Uh, C-reactive protein would be an indicator of inflammation, and it would be an indicator of things like cancer risks. And so um, a six-fold reduction in already low levels because of my age was was actually really significant. Uh, we recently did some cancer testing, and, um, you know, you, you can't – you, you're either high, mid, or low, and I had a very low risk. So these were these were the the type of uh, things that we were hoping to see, and um, and these were powerful benefits. And those numbers you just gave me, at what point were those numbers taken? Was that three months after, or six months after? Oh, we did lots of blood testing. So we we um, did adhere to uh, the protocol of, of blood testing across the spectrum, and we, we hit our marks on that. And I think it was three, six, nine months, and then many 
blood tests after that. I actually do them regularly. What's fantastic is blood is kind of like, it's kind of like the weather. You know, you take it at different times and uh, you can get a completely different result. But my results are actually consistent and they're consistent regardless of whether I've been on an airplane and I'm jet lagged or, or whether I've been at home and, and gotten a lot of sleep. So just as important as what you saw when you gave the numbers about what the results were in terms of what you observed and what was measured, uh, it can also be just as important as what you didn't see. So what didn't you see as a result of having gone through this genetic therapy? What we didn't see, so we did whole body MRI imaging, and we did see an increase in muscle mass and a de decrease in intramuscular fat, and we did see healthy organs. So what we didn't see is any growths, anything that would indicate cancer. We didn't see any increased inflammation. We didn't see increased immune problems. Uh, we did not see any psychological effects. I know that that was something that people asked me about. Uh, we did not see any, I think, of the, the big worries. We, you know, the, the big worries were cancer, weakness, immune problems, and inflammation, and we did not see any of those. And you didn't see any liver damage or any no. signs of kidney damage? How about your heart and lungs? Anything, anything there? No, they, they, so far, so good. I mean, I'm, I'm active. I spent a lot of time traveling. Unfortunately, between the first MRI scan and the second MRI scan, I was unable to get regular exercise. And I had been a, a runner uh, before and so and worked out uh, with weights. And so my before images um, showed the state I was in when I was healthiest for my age. And then after my after image was a year of being on airplanes and, and unable to uh, work out. And actually we had the increase of muscle mass and the decrease of the intramuscular fat. And, and that was super fantastic. <laughs> and did you actually feel any different? I mean, because I, you answered one of my questions there in terms of you did have a change in activity, but it was, uh, it was a change in activity that should have decreased your muscle mass because you weren't out exercising as much as you normally were and you were before. But did you feel any different in terms of uh, any youthful vigor and, and how much would you assign to a placebo effect of that or perhaps it actually related directly to the therapy? Yeah, well, see, that was the problem. We're really sensitive and I'm aware and everyone, you know, around me has been, we're very cautious, cautious uh, company. We, we haven't come out and said anything that was absolutely extraordinary, regardless of how good I felt. I know that I was on a lot of trips where, you know, we were gone for two weeks at a time and they were really back to back and people couldn't understand how I was keeping up. And, and, and again, I can't say it was, I just excited that, uh, we were having some success or was it actually that my body is functioning better? It's, it's hard to say because it's a very exciting time, but I do feel fantastic. I definitely could tell a few things. Um, I could tell that I wasn't asking for help to pick certain things up anymore. I wasn't asking for help to climb up on the countertop and get into the top cupboards. Those things were obvious to me after I would do them. I'd jump off the, the countertop and be like, whoo, got that thing up there. And, and then I'd think, oh, you know, it just, I think just a few months ago, I had actually asked my son to get up there for me. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, you just, that, that's the, the when, you're, when you're dealing with how you psychologically feel, you have to be careful because, you know, there's a, there's a lot of placebo that can happen in there course, I'm excited to potentially help the world get healthier, you know, regardless of our um, skeptics, 
I want them to get healthier. I, I'm here to help the world achieve something, and I am willing to to be in the position to to be questioned and and even be ridiculed because I I know that we're right. We absolutely, as a society, will solve the problem of biological aging. We will cure Alzheimer's, cancer kidney failure, COPD, and all of these diseases only by tackling the hallmarks of biological aging. And I'm excited to be a part of of that process. We'll get right back to the interview in just a minute. But first, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Bayer Grants for Apps. Bayer's put together an additional brand new program that I wanted to make sure to tell you all about. The new program is called the Dealmaker Program. This program is aimed at mature teams, startups, and companies that have a solution ready to go. The brand new DealMaker program is all about providing quality face time between you and Bear experts for one full day. If there's a match, then you'll be invited to Berlin to pitch your solution, discuss collaboration options, and even close a deal. You have a long way to travel? Don't worry, travel expenses are taken care of. Find out if there's a mutual interest in starting a bigger journey together. Applications for the DealMaker program are being accepted until the 30th of June, 2017. What are they looking for? There's a list available on their website that includes hemophilia, women's health, ophthalmology, pulmonology, nephrology, artificial intelligence, data analysis, and clinical trials, but they're also open to other solutions that may be a good fit. Sound like this is for you? Applications are open now, and again, the deadline to apply is June 30th, 2017. Get full details on their website at grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. Now let's jump back to the conversation. You want to have aging defined as a disease. Now I have the Merriam-Webster definition here of what a disease is. It's a condition of the living body or of one of its parts that impairs normal functioning and is typically manifested by distinguishing signs and symptoms. Some would question, is aging a disease or is it simply nature? Uh, Can we actually cure it or can we just delay it and slow it down, slow down the process? But why is it important that it actually be defined in the scientific community as a disease? Yeah, there's actually a few groups now pushing for this and some really prominent scientists, and I'm, I'm happy about that. So it is a process, and it's the process that I told you about through the hallmarks of aging. So those processes are what are driving the diseases that you die of. So you don't die of those diseases if you don't accumulate that damage. Uh, you don't get those diseases. And so that's why we see the onset of those diseases later in life. It's the accumulation of that damage that's causing those diseases. And in order to get funding uh, to universities, to programs, we need biological aging to be defined as a disease. In order for your doctor to give you a prescription against biological aging or to reuse one of the prescription drugs that's already out there for humans for biological aging, and there, there are drugs that seem to have effect at least on slowing the process of biological aging, aging needs to be defined as a disease. I mean, we have to look at this. We have to be common sense. Erectile dysfunction is a disease. Um, Obesity is a disease. And yet the hallmarks of aging are are, are such a clear, distinct process as much as any other of those processes. This is the most serious time in in disease definition uh, of our life. And there are papers out there that, that can explain further to people why biological aging is a disease. Don't just take it from me. Talk to your scientists. So you formed this company by Aviva. I know you've got big plans for for the company. What are you planning to do with it and how what will it mean to the people you're working to serve? Yeah, so 
We are um, a clinics company. We are going to be opening up clinics uh, around the world in places where we can do the detrimental work. We'll also be opening up some high-end clinics in a couple cities of the world that cannot do things like experimental gene therapies, uh, but they can do prognostics and diagnostics and uh, refer patients uh, to more more promising technology than um, what can be prescribed in most countries. Uh, so what we hope for for patients is to give them access to new type of therapeutics that can hopefully extend their life, hopefully reverse the damage of biological aging, and eventually come up with a combinatorial therapy. It won't be just one treatment, but the combinatorial therapy that will defeat biological aging. Where will the clinics be located? Well, they'll be located in several places. Um, I can't talk about it right now, but we're excited about this year. We should be launching our first clinic and maybe our first two clinics. And um, they will be in regulatory zones where we can uh, work more quickly with patients, not less safely with patients, but more quickly with patients. I mean, we have to put into perspective the drugs that we have on the market right now. Not one of them is is going to save your life. And uh, these therapies show a lot more promise in animal models and in human models. And so we would uh, like to get going as soon as possible. So we had Daisy Robinson on a few episodes ago, and I met her the same day I saw you at uh, Wired Health in London. And mm-hmm. she was talking about, uh, both in that talk uh, at Wired Health and, and on the program, about referring people to a genetic surgeon and being able to use CRISPR or other technologies to uh, do gene editing. And we saw just a few months ago a patient in France was – uh, was cured of sickle cell anemia using genetic therapies. We're talking with you about what what you're what you've done yourself with genetic therapies. Let's talk about access. You talked about freeing up funds by having aging classified as a, as a disease. A lot of people would think, well, we're actually just going to create a, a real situation where the people who who can afford this, these uh, the, the aging baby boomer population who want to to extend their life, they're they're going to be able to afford this. Where a lot of people won't be able to do that. I know that I know that that's something that you're passionate about with the way that you want to drive and shape your company. We've certainly seen that with other areas of technology. Whether you're talking about Flat screen televisions, you know, a few years ago, how expensive they were, tens of thousands of dollars for accessing flat screen televisions, or you're talking about genome sequencing that's coming down to, you know, under $1,000 shortly. So it's not foreign to have these sorts of early adopters be, you know, paying a lot more. But how do you, how do you see it in terms of making these sorts of therapies available broadly for billions and not just billionaires? Yeah, so we're working on that right now. Right now, these therapies are hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you look at the the cures that are coming through uh, the pipeline, they are they are pegged at you know upwards of a million or more dollars uh, per treatment, and a lot of that is because it's nascent technology, it's new technology. It costs a lot to build a gene therapy, but we can really bring the the cost of these therapies down. And we're we're working um, as strong as strongly as we can in in the area of of the um how we bring these these costs down. So we we have a little bit of research going on now. We've opened up a research wing of BioViva. It's called BioViva UK and it it is basically um 
peg to actually see how we can bring the cost of gene therapy down. But we have a few ideas. Uh, a, a few ideas uh, that will actually help is to target areas of the body, uh, the body part of the parts of the body most in need. So if you've just had a heart attack, uh, potentially we can just treat the heart for now. And that brings the cost of the therapy down um, massively from trying to treat the whole body. We really don't believe that there should be a high cost to health. Um, right now there is. Uh, these are expensive technologies. But the, the world actually benefits from healthy population. We actually save more money from having a healthy population uh, than we do from having a sick population. Do you really think it's possible to end aging, though? I mean, will we really get back to people in their prime in their 20s and, and we'll be able to maintain that stage, do you, do you think? I mean, is it going to be like the movie Cocoon back from the 80s where people are able to, to get back to that vigor? Or are we simply just delaying that process to where they'll be experiencing it at 175 instead of at 75? Right. So right now, there's a, a lot of um, value in slowing aging. Slowing the aging process is, is a uh, you know, something that a lot of companies would like to target, but we actually have therapies that show that we can potentially reverse the biological aging. And so that would be a bigger benefit. Will we be able to do that? Yeah, absolutely. We will. Um, if it's in your lifetime or in three generations lifetime really is just based on the mandate of the general public. People have to demand access to these type of therapies. They have to show that there's a market for these therapies that people are actually interested in them. And and it actually takes a little bit of a, a learning curve. It, it's it's difficult for one person to go from, I'd just like to live a healthy life to I'd like to live healthy and indefinitely. Um, obviously, there's there's no cheating death. Eventually, it'll catch up. But health is where we start. We're a health company. I mean, a lot of people uh, try to ask me, you know, how long do we think that humans can live? Well, with ultimate technology for an incredibly long time. But what we want to do is create healthy bodies first, and then we'll have the discussion once we show that humans can live longer with the technology about what we do next. But really, what this is about is health. And everyone can agree with that. We want to be healthy. We don't want to, to have Alzheimer's and cancer and heart disease. Uh, I think we've decided actually already, we've already decided in a mandate across the board that we don't want those things. We donate our money uh, to nonprofits that that will help eradicate these diseases. We demand that the uh, government uh, puts money into granting to uh, universities in order to cure these diseases. Uh, but there's one way to do it, and that's actually tackling uh, biological aging. Otherwise, you're just really batting at symptoms. You're batting at the symptoms of aging. So I was with Dr. Jack Kreinler in London just the other day, and, and we were talking about one of the things he's very passionate about, which is we always talk about lifespan and how lifespan is being affected, but we haven't talked about health span. So we might be living 20 extra years, but how many of those 20 extra years are actually, are we maintaining our health? So I think that's a key piece of what you're talking about is that we can actually create a lot healthier lives for longer where people are able to maintain their health, keep the costs out of the system. Uh, as well, in terms of a practical application of that, keep you know avoid some of the huge expenditures we incur in those last years of of life, and have people be more productive and more fulfilled as a result. Yeah, and if we focus on health, and that's what our company is, we're a health company. Um, if we focus on health, it's something that we can all agree. 
And, you know, I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, I'd be happy to live 95 years, but ask somebody who's 95, I think they'd like to live to 96 or 97. There's never really a, a good day to give up on good health. But what we don't want people thinking is that we just want you to live old longer. Uh, that is really not the point. There's, there's really no sense in that. We don't want you to live with disabilities longer. We want you to live uh, more youthfully and healthy uh, longer. And so uh, that that's a, a really important point that I think that a lot of people miss. They think, oh, you're going to make me old longer. And, you know, that's, that's not the point. And we've actually showed uh, with uh, the medical uh, techniques that are out there now that people are willing to go for uh, quality instead of quantity. The choices that they make are quant uh, quality choices and not quantity choices. And these things include a plethora of the hormones that people take that could drive um, uh, bad outcomes like cancer and things like blood transfusions, which we have data on that for the long run are probably not a good thing to do. Uh, but, but people want to live well right now and they are not looking forward to their older years. There's the fear of getting older effect and people are not interested in that. So they're taking risks, um, in order to live better now. But what we're trying to do is make technology that helps you live better for the long run. And I heard you say in one of the clips I saw uh, online was around um, you want people to be chronologically old but biologically young. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we have to separate a, a few things. You know, a lot of people get really confused. They get confused about what we're trying to do because we have to separate chronologic aging with biologic aging. We don't want you to get biologically old, but we want you to get chronologically old, which means we want you to have many, many, many birthdays. And they also get uh, the a, a big confusion between development and biological aging. And so, you know, they think, well, you know, kids are developing from this period of time, but they're actually biologically aging during that time too. So that's the time of the, the grow and go hormones. And, um, and then they continue to biologically age uh, the rest of their life. So you're biologically aging when cells start to divide that create you and you biologically age throughout uh, we definitely want you to go through development. We cannot reverse development. We cannot make people younger than adulthood in reversing biological aging, but we can uh, create a youthful cell. And so what the human of the future looks like may be much different than what we think of when we think of reversing our, our biological aging. We may think of being uh, 16 years old and and um, in that condition, but actually that's not a very good condition to be in because <clears throat> you, you have a lot of hormones that affect your, your thinking and your, your clarity and um, that are actually throwing you into a, a grow and go mode that actually increases your risk of cancer. So there's two points of your life that you're at a high risk of cancer, and that's when you're old, and that's also when you're going through development. And so... Um, we don't want to mimic those sort of things. We'd like to create a timeless uh, human with uh, homeostasis in the cells uh, that can take them through uh, a myriad of uh, years and help them, you know, actually contribute to society in a way we've never seen before. So the Industrial Revolution was basically on the back of lifespan. As people lived longer, they can not only acquire skills, but they can actually become proficient at those skills. And you can imagine what the increase of lifespan could create for an economy and world growth and um, a different perception of how we treat our environment. 
So you formed the company in January 2015. It's been almost two years since you took the, the treatments in September of 2015. What's next for Bioviva? Yeah, so so what's next for BioViva is opening clinics and getting gene therapies to patients. So we're looking at different uh, delivery methods for gene therapies. So some gene therapies we want to last a long time in your body, and other gene therapies we want to last for a shorter period of time in your body and know that they've they've left the body within a, a number of days or maybe just a little over a month. And the way to do that is with RNA delivery. So um, I've actually started a company with a couple of scientists and we're looking at uh, RNA delivery methods in order to do what's considered like a very short-term gene therapy. And um, and then again, we'll, we'll have the gene therapies that are longer lasting and those those may persist for a lifetime, uh, but this is this is yet to be seen. And how can people who are listening engage with BioViva and and perhaps even become clients of yours? Yeah, absolutely. So you should you should visit bioviva-science.com and keep up with what we're doing. As we open up clinics around the world, each one of those clinics will have their own website and we'll we will give links to those websites. Keep up with our press releases and reach out and and talk to us. We have people who answer emails and um and if you absolutely demand it, uh you can you can talk to me if you want to. <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, listen, uh, I think that answers most of my questions. There are six questions that I like to ask every guest on the program. Do you have a few more minutes for me? Absolutely. Great, Liz. What is a saying, quote, or phrase that motivates you? The, the phrase that motivates me is the phrase that I thought of after I did the treatments. And it was really important to me because a lot of people were contacting me and saying, oh, that is so amazing. Thank you for doing that. You're my hero. And, and, and it, really, it really shocked me. So I think one of my favorite phrases is, there are no heroes, there's only us. And it reminds me every day that it's really up to us. It's really up to you. I can't do this alone. One test is not going to prove definitively that I can protect you from biological aging and save your life. And then I think that Steve Jobs, he, he actually really summed it up when he did his Stanford speech, when he said, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make a bit, the big choices in my life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment of failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. Uh, that I really love uh, because, you know, I, I know that a lot of people said that, you know, people would come out and they would try to attack me and they would, you know, go after anything they could to shoot me down. I really don't care. I've already had the worst possible thing happen to me, which is my son would be dead without medical technology. I really want to help those people as much as I want to help anyone else. I have a lot of love. I have a big heart. And I think that we just have to push forward. And I think my third favorite quote is from Dune, and that is just fear is the mind killer. 
you you have to walk through your fear and once it's passed you'll turn back and you'll see that it really is nothing and this was the mantra that i told myself before i did the therapy it was really important to me well along those lines then do you have any particular advice for others who are working to innovate in healthcare yeah absolutely reach out to us keep doing what you're doing keep a passion keep a persistence we, we're hoping to actually embark on being a platform for launching other technologies, other nascent technologies that are promising for humans. A lot of people don't know that a lot of small biotechs these days, they cannot get through regulatory services, raising their own money. All they hope to do is get through a phase one uh, trial at most, at best, and then get bought out by another company that may shelf their technology use it or not use it. We actually want to create a platform so that these people can get their, these companies can get their uh, products to patients so patients can get access so these companies can start earning some form of money on their technology and get themselves through U.S. regulatory services. Excellent. What book do you recommend to listeners? Oh, Boy, there are so many. I think the two books that I've enjoyed the most lately were Sapiens and Homo Deus. Those were really spectacular books. But there, um, a book I read recently was The Rational Optimist. And I think that that was really fantastic. I just, I mean, I cannot, there, there are so many, and I have a reading list that is, that is so huge, but yeah, it's Yuval Nova Harari that wrote uh, Sapiens and Homo Deus. And I just think that they're a fantastic glean through our past. And then the second book to our future. And uh, I think it was Matt Ridley that wrote the the Rational Optimist. But um, and if you haven't, you know, go back and read the Selfish Gene. These are beautiful books. They're they're books that will help us break our mold of of what we already are, the machine that we already are, to just pass on our our genetics into a, a thinking viable human that can do more than that. That can get past body functions and actually help each other create a better future. Brilliant. Great recommendations. Thanks for all those. Is there a piece of tech that you recommend that you wouldn't want to live without? Oh, geez. I think, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm stuck on technology. I mean, my, my phone, my computer, my iWatch to find my phone. Uh, <laughs> you know, I hope that in the future, and it, it sounds crazy, but I hope that in the future, you know, we have the technology to integrate these things into our bodies because uh, I certainly cannot stand it when I can't find my devices. I, I feel like, you know, I have been stripped of all of my intelligence immediately. We, we really highly uh, rely on, on these devices. If I gave you a check for $5 million for you to invest in health technology, where would you invest it? Oh, um, so in other technologies or what would we do in our, in our own company, we would run safety trials. Uh, in other technologies, we would uh, drive the industry and in continuing to um, tackle the hallmarks of aging. So we would look at companies that are killing senescent cells who are, are working on, on molecules and that will actually help break up glycation. I definitely would stick very, very close uh, to the hallmarks of aging. 
Excellent. And in appreciation of your time on this program, we make a contribution to a charity of your choice. What charity have you selected? And can you tell me a little bit about what they do? I would choose Max Life Foundation. This is a foundation that is based on uh, solving problems of longevity. Uh, We've dealt with them in the past. We hope to use them to actually help patients get access to gene therapies, help uh, people raise money so that they can afford gene therapies for people who can't otherwise. They actually, the the group that spearheaded Max Life Foundation was the group that had the initial get-together that brought people together that started things like the SENS Foundation and other foundations. So um, I really like them. Excellent. Max Life Foundation, thank you for nominating them. I'll have a link to that charity on the show notes. And and thanks very much for uh, suggesting that we we support them uh, and for being on the show so that we can. So anything else, Liz? Anything else that you'd like to tell the listeners before I let you go? I just like to tell them to, you know, we'd like you to um, take your health very personally, understand that you are as important as anyone else. No one's going to solve this problem without your help and that the future actually looks really brilliant. We live in a beautiful world and even when it appears to be falling apart, these are not problems that we can't solve. We need to work in three areas. We need to work on health. We need to work on the environment. And we need to work on treating each other better. And um, that would be the three things that I would like those people to spend some time every week working on. Here, here. Well, thanks for being on the show with me, Liz. Okay, thank you. There you have it. That was Liz Parrish, CEO of BioViva Sciences. Get the links to her website, videos, and all the things we discussed by visiting digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 30. While you're there, please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast. And I'd love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes as well. Many thanks to our sponsor, Bayer Grants for Apps. Don't forget to apply for their DealMaker program by June 30th. You can find more information at grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at HealthTechDan and follow the show at DHealthToday. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of the digital health community. That's all from me for now. Until next time, keep on innovating.